Hello and welcome to Renewing Hope Church in Oceanside, California, where our mission is to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourself. We pray that this episode will both challenge and encourage you to love more. And now, here's today's episode. So it is Palm Sunday, Jesus' triumphal entry. So we're going to start off there. I'm going to take a hard left. We're going to go off road and four by four and go on some trails, and then hopefully I'll get it turned back onto the highway before we're done, if that's okay. <laughs> so we're going to start with Matthew 21, and we're going to just go over this scene that we have here. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees, spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. So we have, uh, makes reference to a prophet, and that would be Zechariah, chapter 9, Zechariah 9, 9. And this was probably, he probably wrote it around, we're thinking like 520 BC. So 550 years before this event. Which isn't it cool that Jesus was born like right when they quit going BC and they went to AC? Because then it's really easy to do the math that way. It's really. <laughs> we're looking at, and, and we might, even I think if we were there on the scene considering this, right? You have the Romans who had these great processions, you know, after, after battles or whatnot, and soldiers marching through with all this shiny armor and probably sounded pretty ominous as they're marching through. And, um, and this almost looks like, like a peasant to us, right? Like a peasant parade or something. Um, and especially if we were to say, oh, the king's going to come through on a, in a procession, and then we saw him on a donkey, we would think like it was a mockery or something that, you know. Um, but in this day and time in the Middle East, this was common for the kings and royalty diplomats they would travel on donkeys. They would be just like this. They would be coming into the city um, on a donkey. And that was during peacetime. During wartime, then you'd, you'd see them on a, you know, a big horse. So this wasn't definitely, a, definitely not a mockery, but also just the fact that we have such a specific um, prophecy here. And little fun little footnote, I believe, because... Jesus said, um, go into the village, find a donkey and a colt with her. So we got, there's two. I believe the older donkey was the one that carried Mary into Bethlehem. 
Let me show you. Just a fun little footnote. This isn't part of the message, really. But in, in Genesis 49, way back, Jacob is, you know, Israel, who was Jacob, he is um, prophesying over his sons. He can, and when he gets to Judah, you are whom your brother shall praise, because we know the Messiah comes out of the tribe of Judah. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Again, a sign of uh, Messiah, the scepter shall not fall from Judah, nor lawgiver from his feet until Shiloh comes, and he shall be the obedience of the people. So we know that Israel is off uh, Psalm 80. You have brought a vine out of Egypt. You have cast out the nations and planted it, right? Israel is a vine. So not the land, but the lineage, the people. And then Jesus comes along and says, I am the true vine. So that's interesting because this next verse in Genesis, to him shall be the obedience of the people, binding his donkey to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. So I think that lineage, that's lineage, that's Mary, binding his donkey to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. I, that's not going to help you get past Peter at the gates or whatever, but that's just... <laughs> I think that's awesome. And just the, the poeticness, you know, the, 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 within, the, within the scriptures, I think that's awesome. So, moving on. We, of, we often see Jesus telling people um, that he's healed not to tell anyone, you know. Um, don't tell anyone. He, he does this quite often. And a lot of times it's followed by uh, his time had not yet come. So he's telling people, you know, keep it, keep it on, the, on the DL, right? Keep it on the down low. And right here we have the scene and he's not rebuking anybody. He's not telling them to, to quiet down. Here it is. If you didn't catch all the signs before, this is a big one. Um, Israel, you know, people of Israel are desperately seeking a Messiah. They know Zech- uh, Zechariah 9.9, right? They know that he's coming on a donkey. This is a pretty big one. And every, all these people are seeing it. And he's not telling them to stop. It's because this is the moment, right? He is being celebrated as a king as he comes in. He's accepting that. Of course, their idea of exactly what his kingship looks like is a little different than what it was. So his ministry is coming to its completion, its fulfillment. Everything that's need to be said has pretty much been said. All the prophecies that need to be fulfilled have been pretty much fulfilled right up to this point. The signs that prove his deity, all those have been completed. It's like the, the, the fulfillment of everything. Now, now is the time he's coming as king and coming as our redeemer, coming to be sacrificed. So think about um, who, who did the opposite. Um, you know, Jesus said, uh, don't, don't tell anybody. There was quite a few people we read. They were so ecstatic, probably. They probably had this ailment forever and they're so excited to be healed that they go and they they blab it to everybody right um sometimes people other people that see somebody healed like the blind guy everyone's like this is the blind guy they're 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 telling it right but we also have others deliberately trying to foil god's plan and if you could think about it this way if jesus was to be exposed earlier then maybe then before everything that had been said had been said, right? 
If someone came along and exposed Jesus for who he is, we see him at, at the feeding of the 5,000. He sensed that they wanted to take him and make him king by force, right? And he, he took off. So his time had not yet come. But we see others deliberately trying to foil the plan, trying to deliberately expose him early, like in some attempt to have the people rush in, make him king. He gets, he gets uh, crucified. The story's over. But it's not to that completion yet, right? So we see others doing this before his time has come. And we see Jesus rebuking them to be silent. Mark 1.23. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit... And he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. So, unclean spirits, demons, were trying to expose him for who he was before his time had come. Demons and unclean spirits, we have them mentioned over 80 times in the New Testament. Um, New Testament mentions Jesus casting out demons 55 times, quite a bit, more than I, more than I thought. Um, a lot of those mentions are when it's a summary of the afternoon. Well, Jesus healed the blind, he healed the lame, and he cast out many demons. So there was a lot, but we have five of those specific times in detail. Um, by accounts of demonic warfare, and I'm going to use demonic warfare instead of spiritual warfare, just because it's the same thing, but spiritual warfare makes us, oh, that's not so bad. But if when we say demonic warfare, it, it, does, it, does it trigger us? I don't know. But by accounts of demonic warfare we read of, it doesn't appear that Jesus or the disciples were like shocked or surprised, right? It appears... Um, the thought of demonic warfare was, was it more common or more socially accepted in some way? Um, or even it could be a reasonable, reasonable assumption. Um, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. I feel like maybe some of the church is ignorant of some of the devices. Demonic warfare is mentioned in Matthew, Luke, Peter, John, Jude, James. So did they just go away? This is a message that's been on my heart for months. God opened my purview um, over the last year or so. And I was... You know, me and Corey would talk about giving messages, and I was like, I got one. It's, I would hate to be the one where I give a message and then nobody showed up next week. <laughs> a lot of people think it's controversial. What, I'm gonna, what I want to share with you, and I'm going to bring scripture, and I'm going to bring my personal experience. And if this is the last message I'm giving here, I want to expose it. I want to make you all aware I want you to be equipped going out. So why is talking about demons somewhat taboo, even, even within the church? 
I think the first reason is fear. A lot of people are like, shh, don't talk about them or they'll come. You'll wake them up. We can't talk about demons. If they're here, they're here. They don't take naps, okay? Um, If you've seen The Quiet Place, right, where they have to sneak around, where these aliens, they have crazy sonar ears and they'll kill them if they make a single noise. So these people are tiptoeing everywhere they go, right? Is that what a Christian, victorious Christian life should look like? No, no. So fear. Second one would be ignorance. Just never really thought about it. Or it could be willful ignorance because of number one, fear, right? You don't want to know. Theological association could be another reason, right? No, no. You see, I learned in seminary that demons are merely a metaphor. We have certain certain parts of the church that could be that way. And then and then I think this might be the most biggest reason is these hyper-religious, hyper-spiritual people, right, that we don't want to be associated with. You know, we, we got to cast out the demon of cancer and the demon of pneumonia and... I don't, I don't know about all that, right? Or the demon of toothaches. And it's like, did, the dude should brush his teeth. Or we, could, we could, you know, try to apply that to a lot of things. So this isn't supposed to be scary. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be scary. This one, I heard this one guy say, uh, the supernatural is natural. It's just super. So let's not, let's not be scared. I hope this isn't supposed to be that way. So we want to know who we're fighting. We don't want to be ignorant of his devices. And we want to find true freedom. All the freedom that Christ offers. So I'm going to to just throw a couple simple questions. Well, they'll start off simple. I'll kind of throw you some softballs. And if you're already starting to put up your wall and keep down the defenses for a little bit. And at the very end, if we don't agree that... That's fine. Um, let's just kind of consider these and kind of let them soak in a little bit. So we see in the Bible that angels have like a ranking system, almost like military, right? Where you have a hierarchy of angels. Um, we see that um, in Daniel. Daniel prays. Gabriel is dispatched, right? But then he gets tangled up with the Prince of Persia. And Michael the archangel comes and like takes over and then frees, frees him up. So we kind of see this. A hierarchy or military ranking. So, does the enemy have maybe a military kind of a ranking? If they were once angels, I think there's a, I think there's a good chance they have something similar. Could angels be assigned to someone? We see in Daniel again. Um, he's in the lion's den, and he said that God sent an angel to shut their mouth. So. Angels aside, we, we talk almost like a cute thing about guardian angels, you know, um, with kids. And But Jesus talked about um, that the, he was with some children. And he said, their angels see the face of God continuously, which is amazing. So can angels be assigned to protect us, to shield us? Yeah, most definitely. So here's the flip side. Could demons be assigned to someone, following them everywhere, watching what they're doing, learning their ways. A couple more questions. Um, can Christians be possessed by demons? 
possessed as in the word ownership or total control? No. No, we are bought and paid for. Somebody else owns us, right? Can Christians be oppressed by demons? Anybody? Yeah. Okay. And I don't mean the washing machine breaking, because maybe it was old. When you think of oppression, we think of maybe a smaller, like somewhat short-term individual kind of attacks. That's how we typically view oppression. So what if the enemy's tactics were much more devious than that, right? Devious, definition, devious, showing a skillful use of underhanded tactics to achieve goals. Yeah. I'm not sure what the demon's pronouns are, but that's their adjective right there. (laughs) So, as a Christian, you can't have a demon in you. You can't have a demon in you. What about on you? As in assigned, staying with you to mess you up, and they don't take a vacation, right? They're with, they're there. This would require a third term, which maybe some of you have heard. It's demonization. It doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. I believe from my experiences that this can happen. And no one is immune. And that's the title of the message. I thought it was pretty good for what's going on nowadays. No one is immune. Yeah. And we just did kind of like, you know, when you watch a movie and there's like all these action scenes for like 10, 15 minutes. And then the title comes up. There it is. Boom. No one is immune. <clears throat> but you say, you, you, if you want to start putting up your defense, but good and evil can't be together. Evil, meaning Satan, and can't be where God is because God is holy and he can't be where this evil is. Job 1, 6 and 7. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. There you go. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Satan answered, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Revelation 12.10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Another defense might be, well, I have Jesus in my heart. Nothing can touch me because, you know, 2 Corinthians says, uh, what agreement has the temple of God with idols for you are the temple of the living God. So temple of God and temple of Baal, they can't, they can't coexist. But if you were to look at that scripture, that's the passage that starts off with not being unequally yoked with unbelievers, right? So we know that can happen. It shouldn't. It shouldn't happen, but it does. If it wasn't possible for this evil and, and light at the same, why, why would this be in here to begin with? It's not that it couldn't, it's that it shouldn't. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. And in a lot of versions, the word place, they'll, they change it to a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold, which, okay. But if you look at the Greek, topos, it 
is more along the lines of place, like a space. Don't give the devil a space. Don't give him a place to squat, to be a squatter. Um, Revelation 12, 13 and 17. Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. And the dragon was enraged with the woman. And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So there we go. It's a war. It's flat out war. So the war's goal is to upset God's plan. Just like what the demons were trying to do when they would shout out calling him him the Holy One. They were trying to foil his plan. So that's been Satan's plan from the beginning. So to upset God's plan would be upsetting God's plan for the redemption of man. So you think of it in two goals. I think we think of it as two goals. One, to keep as many people as possible away from God. We, we have the parable of the sower where Jesus said the seeds that fell upon the wayside are the ones who hear the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts lest they should be, believe and be saved, right? That's goal number one. So goal number two, if, if, if you're a Christian already, goal number two is to make you, Christian, fruitless and ineffective. This will also attribute to goal number one. So how does he make war? How is it fought? So let's think, I, I like to think that military ranking, let's think tactically, right? Like kind of like espionage. I think it was only John only got, if I would have had more time, I would have had you all singing Amazing Grace in your head. I just didn't have enough time. I didn't want to, John started, but we are highly suggestive. We don't know it especially when our guard's not up, especially if we're preoccupied with something else. And I found, I don't know how I figured this out. I was uh, doing data cabling, so I'm pulling in construction sites, right? Pulling a cable, there's all the different trades, the plumbers, electricians, roof tile guys are all putting stuff in. And I don't know, I don't know when, when I first thought of it, actually, but I did it for years. I would try to think of like the most embarrassing song you could imagine a construction worker singing. And then I would just start humming it. Before long, it didn't take long. I'd, I'd come back to the room where the guy was working, big old burly construction guy carrying stuff. Girls just wanna have fun. Oh, girls just wanna. Okay? Um, I, I, and then sometimes I would go into some, this office where some friends of mine worked, and they, they're all on the computers working, and they're kind of distracted, and I'd be in there. And, and a few minutes later, they're like, oops, I did it again. <laughs> singing Britney Spears. I, was, I had them singing village people, whatever. I, and and it, was, it was pretty crazy. I don't remember where I, when I came up and I would, I would start laughing. And then I would tell them. And they would even know that I did that. When Jason came in the office, he might be like humming something, you know. They knew every time, every time. Um, I started working with a guy, I paired up with a guy while we're at the construction sites and we would try to get each other. And so like throughout the day, we'd keep score, right? And I got you eight times, but he got me three times and I invented the, the game, right? I made up the game, but I was still just every now and then. It's like, man, when, you're, when your guard's down, right? Um, so in the same manner, 
What if I was constantly telling you lies or just depressing stuff all the time? You didn't catch on that I was doing that. And I didn't tell you, but I was always just spitting out garbage. You, just like these people singing the songs, they thought that they came up on their own. You would think that these lies, you would think that these horrible thoughts were your own. And then that compounds because you're like, I can't believe I just, I'm thinking this, right? That's how they attack. They use a power of suggestion. This next verse, Isaiah 29.4, it's actually about the downfall of a city, the city of Ariel where David used to live. And it's talking about it, it's getting going to be crushed down. But there's this little nugget in there. And I took this from the, um, the New Messianic version because I like the way they break it down. So if it looks a little funny with the spelling, that's why. And you shall be brought down and shall speak out of the ground and your speech shall be low out of the dust and your voice shall be as of one that has a familiar spirit out of the ground and your speech shall whisper out of the dust. I think that's an interesting correlation. One who has a familiar spirit whispers. That's their, that's their, that's their game plan. We see these old cartoons, right, where there's a devil on one and the angel on the other shoulder and they're whispering stuff. I believe it's a little bit more accurate than we like to think. And the fact that they just, you only see that in a cartoon to laugh at, I think that's, that's telling as well. <laughs> um, so we've probably all read, right, the armor of God, put on the full armor of God in Ephesians. We talked um, from here, Corey, Brandon, um, even Corey last week. I was still contemplating doing this message and I was sitting right there and then, I'm kind of praying, Lord, am I still supposed to? And then, then Corey starts talking about the flaming arrows. And I'm like, okay. Okay, that's it. So the flaming arrows in, in the passage in Ephesians, you know, we have, it doesn't say that the flaming arrows are lies specifically. It doesn't tell us exactly. You know, we have the breastplate of righteousness, okay? We have the helmet of salvation, but it doesn't tell us the flaming arrows of, of agony. or it, it doesn't tell us that. As I was preparing, this, this was from months ago. I came across this, and I think this is the answer to the, the arrows question. Psalm 64, 1 through 3. Hear my voice, O God, in my meditation. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the rebellion of the workers of iniquity, who sharpen their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows. Bitter words. Bitter words. And I think we're so used to David always being in this physical battle that we read all the Psalms in that way, right? But here we have bitter words. I think Paul took part of his letter from here, right? But if this was on a physical, like on a physical level, Bitter words. David's like this gnarly warrior, right? Bitter words. Like sticks and stones break my bones, right? Um, so let's reread. We're going to reread one through three, and then we're going to continue on um, with a different lens. Let's, let's read it through a different lens now. Let's read enemy as spiritual enemy or 
demon. And let's read, we'll reread that, the psalm here. Hear my voice, O God, in my meditation. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the rebellion of the workers of iniquity who sharpen their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows. Bitter words. That they may shoot in secret at the blameless. Suddenly they shoot at him and do not fear. They encourage themselves in an evil manner. They talk of laying snares secretly. They say, who will see them? They devise iniquities. We have perfected a shrewd scheme. Both the inward thought and the heart of man are deep. So their schemes and their snares. How do they know what works? They've been observing human behavior for thousands of years. Uh, we had that, I'm trying to think, I thought of a highly visible court case, right? Johnny, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, Team Johnny. Team Amber? No. <laughs> you can watch videos. People, they, they take segments of the testimonies or all the, you know, videos of the court. And these experts, psychologists, they'll be watching and they'll, they'll explain all their mannerisms. And, oh, she touched her ear right there. So that was like her reassuring herself. So that means she's trying to convince herself that what she's saying in the tr- is the truth. So she's really telling a lie. Or they looked up that way, which means they use the left side of their brain so they're making something up. They're not looking to that way to remember something. They're making something up so they're lying. You know, we have all these little little cues and these experts have been observing humans for 20 years and maybe read books from some old guy who had like 40 years experience. Demons have been around for thousands of years. Could they know what works on you specifically? I think so. They could have been studying you for decades. How well could they attack you if they've been watching every move, watching what you're watching, watching what you see? Would they discover your weaknesses? These guys have been watching for thousands of years and no one is immune. No one is immune. Can someone deliberately open the door? Yes, for sure. Um, We can open the door accidentally with unconfessed sin, as in living in a sin, right? Like trying to, thinking we're going to hide it from God or something. Um, I believe the man uh, possessed, the one living in the tombs, Jesus cast the demons into the swine. Remember, I am legion for we are many. I believe he deliberately opened the door and Jesus delivered him anyways. Look at, let's look at Isaiah 65, 3. A people who provoke me to anger continually to my face, who sacrifice in gardens and burn incense on altars of brick, who sit among the graves and spend the night in the tombs, who eat swine's flesh and the broth of abominable things in their vessels. When they sacrificed to idols, it wasn't just to, you know, a piece of wood, a piece of stone. There was demons behind that idol that probably manifested itself in some way to these people to make them believe. But even scripture says that they weren't just sacrificing to idols, they were sacrificing to demons. 
And some will say, nope, see, not me. I read my Bible every day. I don't play Dungeons and Dragons. I don't listen to that black metal rock. I'm good. But even Jesus was approached with lies from the enemy. And we think we're too clean to get touched. Notice when the enemy came to Jesus after fasting for 40 days. So he was hungry, probably weak and tired, right? They, they use these moments of, of our weaknesses. And that's when they kind of slip in the, the icebreaker. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Peter's writing to Christians in this. Think of how lions hunt, right? We see on uh, Discovery or whatever, they're chasing the antelope. And the small or the weakened ones, or they get them isolated. You know, they kind of pick one and they get it isolated and cut off from the others. And that's the one that's most susceptible. And that's like a whole nother message we can talk about. From experience and others that I've spoken to, they so often prey on those who have gone through trauma. Something horrible. They're devious, remember, devious. And they're sick. They show no mercy. And they're not going to cut you a break. They won't let your pain go to waste. And they'll creep in when you are physical or emotional pain. You could be sick. You could have just lost a loved one. They'll, they'll use that opportunity. A lot of cases are for where the enemy has stepped in and just ravaged people. Is A lot of times it's kids that were molested. Um, they're preyed upon, and it, it's, it's horrible. And I think it's, I, I mean, it's, it's demonic, I believe, because these kids are so fragile, they're so young, they don't know. And the more of these little victims that they can make, the more people they have under their, under their fingers, right? I don't know if it's demons convincing some people to fulfill their sick, twisted desires or constantly putting that in their ear. Hey, you, you want to do this? You want to do this? Oh, you're not going to get caught. You're not going to get caught. Sick. It's, it's demonic. But they do not only pray on the weak. Because no one is immune. So you, th- you could think, I got, it t- I got it together, I'm strong. And... But if you don't know that you're being attacked, if you don't know you're, you're being suggested to, you could have a constant battle in your head and you think it's just you and your, your bad thoughts and you can't make sense of it. You don't want to think these things. And, and, I, and I've witnessed this. Like I said, no one's immune. Even Jesus was tempted. Even he had lies brought to him. So the key is recognizing it. That's the key. So the difference between someone who was attacked and someone who is bogged down by constant attacks, it's recognizing it. And I'm not saying the demons are the cause of everything. Because we do have to tend with the world, you know, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, boastful pride of life. 
We also have the flesh to contend with, our old man, our old way of thinking. But then we do have the devil. And we need to discern how we're getting attacked in order to know how to fight back. So, know your enemy. How do they start? They ease into the lies and the bitter words. They're not going to start off with something crazy because you're going you're to catch that. They'll throw a little, something little out there and see how you react. Like in Genesis in the Garden of Eden, how does the serpent approach Eve? It's almost like an icebreaker. She's out there alone, apparently. Hey, you check out that tree over there? It looks pretty cool, huh? Yeah. And, and then she paraphrases her husband and not even supposed to look at it. He's like, oh, we're going to die. Well, is that what God really meant? Yeah. Did, did he really say that? I mean, those exact words, is that what he really, really meant? When Jesus was approached in the desert, in the wilderness, it's like a simple icebreaker question. Jesus has been fasting. He's hungry, tired, and weak. And the devil comes on and goes, Hey, you look a little hungry, right? Yeah, you look a little, just make some bread. Make some bread right there. So it doesn't, that doesn't sound, they're coming in to take over, right? Satan even approached David and is in First Chronicles. Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. And that was a bad move on David's part. But you can imagine it's probably a good idea if you know how many soldiers you get. You know, look, you got to know how many mouths to feed. If you knew how many soldiers you know, you could delegate how many of those are going to be in like cavalry. Maybe you need to know how many horses to buy. I mean, it's, eh, it's simple, right? Just creeped, creeped in there. Once you bite, then they're like, ha I'll slip another one in there. So what, are these, what does these look like? This is not exclusively, but a lot of times for the ladies... It starts off with maybe looking in the mirror and you hear, you know, you think it's a thought. Oh, you look terrible today. Or, oh, you're ugly. Oh, you're fat. And the key here, this is uncanny. Listen for the pronoun. If you hear a thought in second person singular, you you are ugly. You are fat. If you've heard that, we don't talk to ourselves like that. When you hear that second person singular, put your guard up. Occasionally it's uh, first person plural and that's another. That's another thing. <laughs> Guys, a lot of times it could be the same kind of situation starting off looking in the mirror. You're just no good. You're never going to amount to anything. Who would respect you? Or this one. I think all guys, all the guys probably heard this one. Are you going to let them talk to you like that? Right? So key is listening. In this, in this aspect, the pronouns are important. Listen, <laughs> listen for those pronouns. You. Lies and bitter words will progress from there, right? If you, if you, if you bit that, you took that bait, now going to come back with another one, just a little bit more. 
wow, I can't believe you just did that and you call yourself a Christian. You might have heard that, anybody? Wow, do you think God's going to forgive you for that? They progress. You keep doing the same sin over and over. You're a horrible example of a Christian, if you really are one. They progress. Why do you even pray God doesn't listen? Your prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. Maybe if God loved you, things wouldn't be this way. If God loved you, things would be different. And then they get to their end goal is, you know, God isn't real. Or it would be better if you were just dead. That's when it gets gnarly. And, and a, lot of, a lot of Christians, I believe, are in this bondage, not just unaware. So maybe you've heard these thoughts, thought, thought they were your own thoughts. Pronouns. Listen for that you. So what would, I use the word demonization. So if we have a Christian that's demonized, if you're still following me here, what would, what would that look like? Um, those lies constantly rolling around in your head. It can also be take on the form of um, struggle in your walk, right? You, you, you read, you try to read every day. You're daily confessing your sin, keeping a short list, keeping that, keeping that slate clear. But you're constantly struggling. You feel like you can't break a sin cycle. You can't break these unholy habits, right? Or it could be that in your walk, even, everything feels like left undone. There's always something to do. Um, oh, you didn't start the prayer with our Father. You're going to need to do that one again. I mean, um, you didn't pray sincere enough. You just, you just kind of did a quick prayer, and it wasn't sincere enough. You, you need to redo it. You need to go back and redo it. Um, you asked God to forgive your sin, but did he? Because... It didn't sound very sincere. Um, you need to. So there's this continual just unrest. You can't rest. You can't rest in Christ because you feel like you're oh, you're always having to do something. Something's always left undone. So we must learn between the accusations, the bitter words, which keeps us from God due to shame, versus the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That of course draws us to him. So if you're getting, if you're getting these thoughts, and you're, you're, I don't know, just pray. Ask the Lord, Lord, if this is from you, Lord, I thank you so much. If this is from the enemy, Lord, seal their lips, rebuke them right there. Another another uh, symptom is like having congestion, like a constant noisy traffic jam in your head. Just continually going. Makes it hard to think, makes it hard to sleep, makes it hard to do lots of things. Could take the form of, I've seen this, irrational fear. Um, like if someone had the fear of dogs, right? A dog's never bit them, the dog's never, a dog's never growled at them. They've never been chased by a dog. The only dog they saw on TV was Lassie, but they're terrified of dogs. For some, that, that's like an irrational thing. Probably a dumb example, but... Irrational fears. They like to promote those as well. 
In the end, if debilitating lies have, st- have you stuck fearful, maybe, maybe there's a secret agent. Maybe there's a secret agent on you coming after you, right? Meaning they haven't taken a vacation. They're just, they're just there to cripple you, to make you ineffective. And like I said, I'm not saying everything is an unclean spirit because we have to contend with the world. We have to contend with the flesh. Um, we have physical and psychological issues that we have because we are human. So we do have hardware that breaks, but we need to be aware if our software is being corrupted. So how do we fight? We know to put on the full armor of God. And I don't know why. So many times I've read that passage and I see like this little wimpy Christian guy and he's got all this armor piled on him. It's just too big. The sword's like too heavy. He's got this little skinny arm sticking out and he's just kind of like, and I don't don't know why. I don't have that. I don't have that vision. I don't have that anymore. But I'd always, I don't know why every time I read the passage. Um, So as I was, you know, like I said, this has been on my heart for months. Um, Me and my wife were sitting outside having coffee and I was thinking about the armor of God and how like all these, all these pieces, they're all like defensive, right? Defensive pieces of armament, except for the sword of the spirit. That's the one for the offense. And I'm like, huh, I wonder if there's something more uh, to that specifically. And totally in Holy Spirit fashion, which is so awesome. That, it was a couple hours later, that day, I'm reading through the scriptures And I came across this passage I would like to share with you. And I had to go to my wife and I said, I was wrong. (laughs) I was totally wrong. Scratch that. Now, Paul didn't plagiarize this, but I know he's referencing this specific passage in the Old Testament. Isaiah 59, starting in verse 15. So truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him, and his own righteousness, it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance. For clothing, and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies. A little further down, the spirit, uh, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. The Redeemer will come to Zion. We put on the armor of God to emulate, to be like the Redeemer of Zion. To go on the offense, on the attack. None of the armor is defensive. It's all together to be on the offense. Offensive prayer. I don't know, a lot of times we think we just have to pray for protection and let's go on the offense. Psalm 35. If you're having these thoughts, if you're hearing those pronouns coming at you, Bust open Psalm 35. Read it out loud. Let the enemy hear it. Rebuke them. Rebuke their lies. 
A couple, just a couple verses that I love from Psalm 35. Plead my cause, O Lord, with those who strive with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Let them be like chaff before the wind and let the angel of the Lord chase them. Awesome. Psalm 143, 12. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. On the offense. Another thing we have to do bringing every thought into captivity. 2 Corinthians 10, starting at verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So every thought, before it's processed fully, acted upon, imagine putting it in a little cage right in front of you. It's captive, right? We can look at it and inspect it. If it's from God, if this thought comes from God, awesome. If it's not, and it's it's a lie from the pit of hell, you send it right back. Nope. Not going to take that. Don't give it the time of day. And that is like extinguishing the flaming arrows, right? Resist the devil and he will flee. We have in Christ, in the blood of Christ, we have been given the authority, the position, protection, and victory in the name of Jesus. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee. And no one is immune The demons must bow their knees. The demons bow their knees to the name of who? The one who presented him himself as king on a donkey. A king coming in at peacetime. If you've already read the end of the book, next time he comes on a horse to make war. All this has been what I have learned, what I've learned from others over the past year or so. I want you to be equipped. I want you to know. I want the enemy to be exposed. There needs to be more soldiers out there. With the armor of God, working together as one unit for the offense. We wear the helmet. We have the shield. We have the breastplate to go headlong in. It's not to stand back and watch the other people. I, had, I don't know if you've heard of uh, Victor Marks, uh, All Things Possible Ministries. Awesome, totally legit. They're doing amazing things. And um, I got to hang out with him for a little while. And his wife, Eileen, was the one who kind of introduced me to the idea of people having assignments on them. Oh, man, I was talking to her and just, boom, my, my mind raced back to a time... Um, 
and it's such a vivid memory I have. I was 13 years old, surfing or trying to surf. I was never really a surfer, but trying to surf out there. I was with a youth group, and we were just out at the beach. Stepped on a stingray, of course. I get the sharp end of the tail. And uh, called my parents. We meet at Tri-City. And um, up to this point in my life, this was the worst pain I had ever had. It was just throbbing. It felt like a car was running over my foot and someone would stab me just repeatedly. The poison that gets in your foot. It was, and my foot was like, it was huge. It was like three times its normal size. And uh, so the most pain I'd ever, I'd ever experienced up, up until that point. And my parents met, met me there, and they ended up cutting my foot to look for a barb or whatever, you know, so they injected me with some painkiller or whatever and um, bandaged it up. And I was on crutches for, like, a couple of weeks because of the, cause they cut me open, um, and I had a stitch in there. But I remember this very vividly. My dad he had a little Toyota pickup with a shell. And I'm 13 years old, like, I scoot into, you know, I scoot, I'm, my mom and him are in the cab, and I'm in the back shell, just by myself, and start driving home, and it just, I was so relieved to get something, like I said, the worst pain I'd ever experienced up to that point, oh, I was just so relieved, and I sang, I sang worship songs from Tri-City, just all the way to all the way home in Escondido. And it was just a couple weeks after that, I got really sick, like horrible, horrible, kind of like flu-like symptoms. And we didn't know it at the time, uh, but probably from the emergency department, I contracted staph infection in my bloodstream. It was racing and accelerating through my bloodstream. It settled in some bones, started eating my bones. Actually, it looked like a pumice stone in the x-rays. But at the time, we didn't know it, but it was getting really hard to... It was painful to walk. Like I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't walk normally. Very painful. Didn't know what it was. And I'm laying there in my bed, 13 years old. And I felt a darkness. I felt an oppression in that room. And these thoughts, listen for the pronouns, these thoughts came to my head. And I remember them like it was yesterday. They said, where's God now? Why is he letting you be sick like this? He's not helping you out very much now, is he? And I felt in my spirit that it was like direct retaliation for me, worshiping through pain. I was just a 13-year-old kid. I was, I was scared, but I knew I wasn't alone at that point. Didn't know, I, didn't, I didn't know anything. The Holy Spirit came and gave me words. And I knew I had to speak them out loud. So I just simply said, if there are demons here, I am a child of God. You cannot touch me. I will not be moved. There's nothing you could do to make me turn away. And in the name of Jesus Christ, you must leave. And at that point, the foot of my bed was shaken. Like two to three really long seconds where I didn't breathe. And then immediately after that, I felt the presence go right out my closed window. Poof. And the room was filled with peace and warmth and love. And 
I felt God's light in there. Amen. And I just said, thank you, Lord. And that was my first encounter. So for me, looking back to the ideas of assignments on people, it does, does not seem absurd. It makes sense. It makes sense to me. And you don't have, like I said, you don't have to agree with me. Um, so while I was there with uh, All Things Possible Ministries, they said, hey, we can always just check to see, you know. So we did. Um, had I not seen the dramatic instant results when people are prayed over for this, I would be skeptical as anybody else. This just wasn't in my, it wasn't in my purview. It was just like, wait, what? What's this? I've had the opportunity since to pray with others. I took what I learned from them. It's not some special calling. It's being a child of God. Anyone can do it. I prayed with others. Some had assignments for years and just didn't know. But in the name of Jesus, they have to go. They have no choice. Um, and I would be happy to pray with anybody. If you've, if you've heard those, those pronouns, if you've heard those lies, if you're struggling with anything, I'll totally happy to pray with anybody. It's nothing crazy. We confront the enemy, make him leave. There's no screaming or convulsing or no, we're not, we're not possessed. We just have this little guy that's been lying on to us in our, you know, on our shoulder here. Um, when, when we pray, it's not, someone from across the room wouldn't know if we're fighting demons or praying for your sick aunt. I mean, it's, there's, it's nothing, it's not Hollywood. There's no Hollywood to it. So we confront them and we make them go. Even if you just, if you just want to check, we, we can do that. And no one should feel embarrassed because no one is immune. Even Jesus had this confrontation. He just knew how to recognize it immediately, right? So... I, I leave that open to anybody. So finally, let's, um, Ephesians 6. In light of what we just discussed, in light of knowing their tactics, in light of knowing what their war is, what their end goal is, let's read this. And to me, this passage is so much more vivid than it's ever been. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of peace, gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. 
being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I'm sorry this went long. I couldn't break it into two messages, but even if I did, I don't think it should have been two. (laughs) I don't think you can stop in the middle and go, oh, see you next week. No. Uh, We have been given the authority, and it's nothing to do with us. It's all in the name of Jesus. It's powerful. It's powerful for full freedom. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for your sacrifice. I pray that you, you, you bless my brothers and sisters that we've met here, Lord. I pray, Lord, that I have that I have presented this in the proper way with the proper words. Lord, that they can be equipped, not afraid, equipped. That the enemy has been exposed for his tactics. Bless the rest of the time we have together in your precious and holy name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Renewing Hope Church. May God's love for you renew your hope today. And may his face shine upon you and give you peace.